0: So that about wraps up our coverage of episode thirteen. Beware the time machine. So, reckon we all enjoyed this one. This one pretty much pretty good yeah, episode yeah. overall.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah time
0: travel.
2: Oh, wait, wait, guys, guys. What? I think we've ended up in the near future. Something went wrong here. What? We haven't we haven't recorded the rest of the episode yet. We gotta go back. God damn it! Wait, how back?
1: Do we gotta go way back?
2: But I just sat here. I mean, I we're only going back like what? One or two hours. Yeah. All right. And about. All right. Fire up the hot egg time machine. What do time bombs, Shogi, Renpo Edagawa, and Playgirl magazine have in common? Join us as we find out in the first episode of your new favorite podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no! Wait. We're in 2019 now. We went too far. Damn it! Try again. July 2023? Yeah, close enough. So, time. The fourth... I uh, Never mind, we're wasting too much time on this. I'm just going to go ahead and introduce uh, the lovely folks we have with us today. We have, we kill time with us, a simple peasant, Drew. What up? Runaway groom, Emma. Hello. Time after time, Natalie. What's up? Our special guest, a golden statue, Saf. Hi. And Crime Time
0: TV, me, Chris. Hell yeah. Man, tell what? Fucking time travel fries your brain, man.
1: I mean, it's just a bunch of wibbly wobbly, timey whiny stuff. Let's
0: be real.
3: Come on, Natalie, <laughs> that's in my notes! <laughs> right.
4: Let's get the, bu- the bubbles. Yeah, let's get that one out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> I really
3: literally wrote time travel. It's fun. A big wub haul wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can tell you what it is time for, and it's time for Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Loop on the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and the live-action entries of the Loop on the Third franchise in mostly chronological order. And before we get into our discussion of the next part one episode, we have a very special guest and friend of the show today, Saf. Saf, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's it's a little bit hot, but oh yeah, yeah. That that's par for the course right now, this time of year.
3: Hot and do you have like the terrible air right now? Um,
4: we did a couple weeks ago. Um that's right. It, there was one day when the sun was very orange and it was very weird, but it wasn't. We didn't get it as bad as New York, which that's was true. really good.
0: Yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah. But now for all of our sideburns and cigarettes guests, we just have uh, two questions for you. I say two questions. Um, uh, So tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, specifically, how did you get into Lupin the Third?
4: Yeah. So hi, I'm Saf um, or Safura if you want to go full. I live in New England and I have been a fan of Lupin the Third since January of 2019, which Yes, I I have roughly, I think it was the 28th. It's weird that I actually have a date, but like a lot of the fandom, I got into it through Cagliostro and fun story with that. I was traveling to Europe to visit some family and had downloaded Ca- that Cagliostro onto my tablet to watch, to potentially watch while flying. And didn't watch it on the way over, but on the way coming back, While I was visiting the family, I had downloaded some episodes of Chai Gun. Turns out I had downloaded the Japanese dub with Dutch subtitles. So I had no idea what anybody was saying. Was Fun for five minutes. Um, So then I watched (laughs) Agliostro and about halfway, two thirds of the way through the movie kind of was came to the realization of, oh, there is more to these characters. Like there's definitely jokes and references that I'm not getting. So as soon as I landed back in the States, kind of immediately Googled it and um, yeah, then binged the entire series for the next three months. And then we're here today.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Got the yeah, monkey yeah. man, the, the 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 monkey thief mind virus.
4: Yes. It yes, gets us very all. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I guess now we will hop in to discussing the next episode of Lupin the Third Part One the 1971 series, which we are now pretty much officially at the halfway mark of, or at least about as halfway you can get in a 23-episode run. Today, we will be discussing Episode 13, Beware the Time Machine, which aired on January 16th, 1972. This episode was directed, uh, once again, it's uncredited, and uh, according to the Discotech DVD, this is approximately half and half of Miyazaki and Takahata and Masaki Osumi. And I think this is like, we'll we'll see a little bit of his work again, I believe in um, Lupin Caught in a Trap, but this is pretty much the last we'll be seeing of anything, Masaki Osumi. So we're reaching the end with old Masaki. And it was written by Kiyoshi Miyata, we have talked about them previously. They wrote episodes of Ashinojo, Joe, Kaibutsukun, The Ultraman, and Umi no Triton. They previously wrote episodes three and eight of part one. And also we will get to, uh, also this episode and episode 22. This episode was storyboarded by, uh, Kuyu Osai, who we all really know is Osamu motherfucking Dezaki and who needs no introduction. Legendary director of the second half of Rosa of Versailles, Blackjack, Space Adventure Cobra, Treasure Island. You know him. You love him. If you don't, I hate you. Not really, but a little bit. And, uh, we'll jump to the, uh, the guest cast in this episode and we'll specifically talk about the character Kiyosuke Mamo, who, uh, the Japanese voice actor is Iemasa Kayumi who was Humei in Crusher Joe, James Black in Detective Conan, the father and the narrator in Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, the puppet master in Ghost in the Shell, Chief Shizuo Chujo in Giant Robo, Big Daddy in Gungrave, Cobra Nefertari in One Piece, Nanakamado Hakase in Pocket Monsters Diamond and Pearl, which if you're not familiar with what that is, that is Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, and (laughs) Dr. David Livesey in Treasure Island. And uh, his roles in Lupin the Third include William Hafner in part two, episode 75. And he also reprised the role of James Black in Lupin the Third versus Detective Conan. The movie Mamo's English VA is in the dub uncredited, but is listed on the Lupin Wiki as Paul St. Peter. And it's pretty unmistakable. You may know him as Detective Toshimi Konakawa in Paprika Jack the Ripper, Dyer, and Wamuu in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Inspector Kenji Murasame in Giant Robo, Kirama in many, many Naruto entries, Detective Matsui in Pat Labor the Movie and Pat Labor 2, South Burning in Gundam 0083, and also... Far too many creatures to name across the Digimon franchise. I mean, give Paul St. Peter, you know, a Google on his you know behind the voice actors page and look at how many Digimon creatures there are. It's very impressive. Uh, his roles in Lupin include Mamo, but not just this Mamo. He was Mamo in Pioneer's Mystery of Mamo dub, which is it's kind of beautiful that Paul St. Peter is both Mamo and Mamo. I knew it i knew <laughs> voice that familiar. <laughs> i'm pretty much doing a very similar voice
4: yeah i was like this is a guy from uh is Lupon still burning you? i' was definitely not the same guy
0: mm-hmm.
4: no way is it the original mamo guy and yeah it is
1: I mean it it was kind of obvious and i didn't think it i didn't think it was the same person until I checked imdb and the credits proved that it was <laughs> and i kind of i, I kind of joke with my best friend I told her did the Dove, ac- you know, and I believe 2019 when they did that, did the, the, the dub company just thought, well, they have the same name, might as well have the same <laughs> voice, even though it's two completely different characters.
2: But hey, Why not? <laughs> I mean, there are some parts of the fandom that seem to think that they're the same character. Uh-huh. Hmm. They're wrong. I, uh, um, yeah, they are. It's, just- <laughs> it's like just because they have a similar name and have been through different time period doesn't mean they're the same character.
0: Fucking bozos. I
1: mean, one's blue, and one clearly looks like a vampire.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So... spells it with an H, one does not. <laughs> Take that as you
2: will. And one is named Howard Lockwood. The other one is named Kiyosuke Mamo.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and one claims to be from the future. Anyways, go on.
0: St. <laughs> uh, Peter's other roles in Lupin include various roles in manga's Castle of Calyostro dub, and... You know, in the last episode, I spent about almost half an hour listing a bunch of credits, which I'm going to avoid in this episode. Uh, So I'm just going to say he voiced 19 roles across the Gineon Pioneer dub of part two. Um, He was Detective George McFly in the first Contact dub. And we will also hear him again in the future as Ganymar III and Ken Makita in part one. So let's read the synopsis here. A time-traveling villain named Kioske Mamo antagonizes Lupin at every turn, making buildings and other objects vanish by murdering people's ancestors in the past. He threatens to get revenge for Lupin the 13th's offenses by killing Lupin the 3rd. How can Lupin win against someone who can jump through time itself? Let's fucking find out. <laughs> We'll begin with special guest Saf. How did you feel about "Beware <laughs> the, the Time Machine"?
4: Yeah, this was probably one of my favorite episodes, mostly because I like sci-fi, Trekkie, Doctor Who, um, Star Wars to an extent. So I really liked the kind of sci-fi aspects of this episode, and also just how how loose I guess they were playing with what kind of time travel this is. Like you have mm-hmm. a lot of different kind of time travels and this one was very different because you're clear. It, yeah, it could be one, it could be like a Doctor Who style where it's like everything is set, except it's not. It could be a Star Trek where everything's kind of happening at the same time, but changes in the past slowly roll into the future. You've got um, back to the future, which is similar, but you can jump time streams kind of, but yeah, it's. It's a fun episode. It's also very interesting. Like, this is one of the few times where you see Lupin is generally worried and kind of, like, out of his element and doesn't exactly know what to do. He's very much not in control of the situation. And that is quite scary for him. So, yeah, it's just a fun episode.
0: (laughs) Hell, yeah. See, so, Chris... Yes, there. How do you feel about Mamo?
2: Well, I feel like it's a uh, tradition for me to point out that this episode is based on chapter 83 of the original manga series, which was titled A Hard Boiled Fiction, which is the finale of the arc A Skilled Villain Hides His Fangs. When collected in the trade paperback in the 80s, this was made to the 80th chapter, and the English version was titled Killing Time, which is a pretty great title, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few differences. Uh, The manga story begins with Lupin and Jigen researching who Kiyosuke Mamo is, and unlike in the anime, he comes from the 29th century. Being targeted by Mamo has Lupin freaking the hell out in terror, and he attempts to flee. The manga really focuses on Lupin being scared of Mamo, to the point where there's an entire scene where he's curled up in a blanket in an almost catatonic state. (laughs) There's also a a really weird bit where we see a teenage Goemon encountering Mamo in the past. And Momo tells him that one day he will join Lupin III. And if I did my research right, Goemon gives the date of this flashback as
0: 1983.
1: Wait. Yeah. Okay, then. Uh, the, Wait. The map does not add up. No. I am confusion.
0: <laughs> so the manga is set in the future? Uh, the past of it. Oh, yeah, he says the 58th Showa year. That's 1983, yeah, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. And I That's believe interesting. I believe he said
2: the same thing in the uh, in the Japanese version, too. I'm not ah. sure, but... Yeah, that's, that's odd, right? <laughs> so Lupin starts having sex with a woman who disappears halfway through because Mamo kills her ancestors. And when uh, Lupin pulls the switcheroo on Mamo, Mamo is killed by Lupin suddenly drawing a sword on him. But aside from that, the anime episode is fairly faithful. It doesn't change a whole much, it just kind of expands on it. Uh, a little trivia fact I found out was that Twice in the Japanese version, the word uh, kichigai is used, which means madness or lunatic. However, in the late 70s, the word was considered an ableist slur and was censored across various media, including this episode, Hmm. particularly in uh, reruns in the 1980s. However, modern releases of Part 1, such as DVD, Blu-ray, and streaming have it uncensored, but there is a disclaimer from, I guess, VAP? V-A-P? Stating that you know it is a product of its time. That's cool. Yeah, when I first saw this on on a bootleg DVD as a teenager, I always found it fun to say the villain's name, especially if you say it in like a slow, deep voice. Mamo Kiyosuke. It's fun. You should try it. Um, <laughs> there's also a uh, a bit of a filter over Mamo's voice in the dub that it really gives it a real 1970s sci-fi quality to it. I like that. Jigen in a trench coat is a cool look. He should do that more often.
0: Jigan in a trench coat.
2: Yeah. I'm assuming that Osamu motherfucking Dezaki's uh, influence is best seen in the postcard memories as they're running towards the mansion. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I, I do like how they added a heist to the opening, because there wasn't one in the manga. After all, every episode could be somebody's first, and they need to know this main character is Master thief. Do you hear that as Lupin burning? Do you? <laughs> um... <laughs> There's one shot where Zenigata's got his teeth are colored pink, making it look like he forgot to put in dentures. It's <laughs> <is> a really <laughs> weird mistake. I missed that one. <laughs> it's after he runs into a jig in the skies with the maid, and yeah, oh, okay. they color just they color they color his teeth pink accidentally. It's a accidentally. very yeah.
0: unnerving image. Yeah,
1: I didn't notice that, but pink like denture adhesive.
2: Well, like gums. I mean, yeah, it looks like just ah. gums without teeth. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've said it before, Doug Earholtz is not my favorite English Zenigata. I think he does great, but I do feel like he's like he's really coming to this role though over the past few years. Like the way he screams, "How in the world am I supposed to relax?" I love that. <laughs> <laughs> in the anime, Mamo's family was killed by Lupin the Thirteenth, but in the manga, it was Lupin the Thirty-Third. I like the bit where they're researching Mamo, where Lupin goes looking. Yeah, you know, like, go him on, go him What at the like, slides in the flame. <laughs> so frame as staff mentioned i don't think the time travel really checks out in this episode i don't care it's fun <laughs> yeah Lupin's existential angst over mamo is played more for drama than laughs like it was in the, in the manga uh lupon and fujiko going on a date is kind of cute despite the circumstances the priest at the church saying
3: then you may kiss the bride. <laughs>
2: that has to be a reference to the Princess Bride, right? It's gotta be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I said
3: it when Saf and I were watching it yesterday, and then I mentioned <laughs> it to Drew today. I was like, I'd like the little nod to the Princess Bride.
1: <laughs>
2: right. It's gotta be.
4: It has to
3: be. Marriage.
4: Marriage. <laughs> marriage is what brings us here to together.
0: <laughs> I- I, too, appreciated the Homestar Runner priest.
2: <laughs> Homestar Minister. Minister Runner, there we go. I love the detail of Lupin wiping the drool from his mouth before going to kiss Fujiko. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not sure what what the effect he's going for here, but the way Richard Epcar plays Jigen grieving at what he thinks of Lupin's death, I thought it was really funny. Like, yeah. I don't know if that was the intention, but I, I couldn't help but laugh at it. Mm-hmm. so in uh, my else uh, do you guys think that Jiro Kichi did, never actually existed and that Lupin the 3rd just made him up
1: definitely definitely. I,
3: I, I, I think it was made up
2: yeah, in the anime manga. one
0: yes yeah. in the manga I'm not as sure but I'll get no, to I'm that agreed. because Arsene Lupin was
2: 100% French and you know, yeah. Lupin the 3rd yeah. is like you know, part Japanese mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. And he mentions in the anime that like, he's like I'm getting married to a French girl
2: yeah
4: yeah. yeah, I think there there is an episode in part two where Lupin's like, yeah, I'm half French, half Japanese, um, right. mm-hmm. which I mean, take
2: that with a grain of salt. But I think at one point in uh, part two, Zenigata is looking for Lupin, and he refers to him as Japanese. So, so I'm guessing like yeah. Lupin just invented this character of Jirokichi so he could more easily disguise himself.
1: Yeah. Well, also um, the name he gives is the ancestor that marries as um uh, Mimoleta Lupin. Uh, and they, obviously they weren't making a Arsene Lupin reference, but I believe Iveleta, at least um, in French, is a form of cheese. So unless Jidokichi is marrying cheese...
2: Cheese, um, Louise. Yeah,
4: no. <laughs> 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 there we go.
2: Yeah, in the manga when Lupin sends Mamo away, he says that he's asking for a photo of his future children instead of asking for a what is it in the uh, anime? He has for Fujiko back, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, I kind of wish it didn't include that shot of Lupin calling for Jigen and Goemon to help him set the scene. Same. You know. And uh, in the English dub, Goemon says, you're still in present day. It does not have the same charm as in the sub where he says, it's 1972. <laughs> yeah. No, it
4: was It's like, okay, well, that's a cop out. But...
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, and they kept all the other days the same. I don't get it. I think the destruction of the time machine is a lot funnier than outright killing Mamo. I think it's a great episode. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's a, it's weird, but I appreciate that. You know, we dabbled a little bit in the supernatural when it came to pie cow, who may or may not be magical. And then whatever the hell happened with our beloved witch, but this one just goes <laughs> straight into science fiction territory and it works. Really mm-hmm. Okay. I've read all of my notes.
0: Who's next? Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. Uh, Natalie. How do you feel about this uh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff?
1: Well, let me just start off by saying, if anything,
0: um, it's a most like, excellent adventure. All right, it,
1: it very much is, and and on that par, and then the par of the movie that right behind you, um, Chris. Um, you know, I'm just going to tell a little adorable story. But growing up as it as a first gen as a first generation kid, you know, a child of an immigrant, um, when my family came here in the 80s. Um, A lot of my family members learned how to speak English, thanks to a lot of blockbuster films particularly. And these films are near and dear to my heart, which kind of set off the kind of person I would be. So like Beetlejuice, no one, and plus I'm Mexican Catholic, so no wonder I'm goth. But also um, the other film, um, uh, Back to the Future, Back to the Future was one of those films that my family would just play repeatedly because it taught them English and they fell in love with the trilogy. So that also set me off on my love of sci-fi and anything to do with time travelers. So like, started with that, then with H.G. Wells as a time machine, Outlander, um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and of course, Doctor Who. Well, Outlander was influenced by Doctor Who, but anyways, um, so when I was a teenager, and I was into Lupin, and this episode comes out, I was like, oh, cool, there's a sci-fi episode, there's a time traveling episode. And, you know, we get the lovable um, villain that comes back twice, Kiyosuke Mamo. I also like to point out that in the Latino Spanish dub, they call him Fantasma. Fantasma Kizami Menendez, which um, <laughs> is Hell interesting yeah. to say at least. It's also, I just love the, the Fantasma name just because I guess he kind of looks like a vampire in <laughs> many different scenes. So basically, um you know, yes, Chris, I agree with you. Trenchcoat Jigen is best Jigen, but also Jigen in a kimono, um, or as Lupin calls him, you look so gorgeous as a maid. Um, Just (laughs) a a funny little disguise moment. Also, I feel like the longer that I listen to Tony Oliver play Lupin, because again, I've grown up with him as Lupin, I can tell that it's, basically Lupin in disguise when Tony Oliver attempts to do different octaves in his voice to portray um a character that's in disguise that Lupin is disguising himself at. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a little giveaway almost akin to how Yasa Yamada did it in the 70s with like the different octave and ranges that he could have done. And he was he was amazing. You know, the man was amazing mm-hmm. at his craft. So it's like over the years Tony Oliver has gotten so better that it's very distinctive and I'm just like, oh yeah, it's Lupin in disguise. Even though I've already seen the episode, um, <laughs> there was a joke I made when I was watching this with my mom. Um, how can I be? How can there be more generations of me if I haven't even started on the fourth one yet? Which, me as a uh, Lupin the Fourth OC writer, I was very much like, not yet, winky face. <laughs> um, also, the different titles in the books that both Jigen and Goemon, wow, Goemon reading. No, that's not a joke on being illiterate or anything. It's just like, Goemon with books is my favorite, is one of my favorite Goemon moments. But the, the books of Robber and Madness, like, I don't know how those are used
2: <laughs> or how you contextualize those. I'm, As, I'm, I'm surprised the madness one didn't get censored in uh i, I know because you know the article i was reading mentioned that uh, it wasn't
1: well well you know um i'm also a big psychology dork that was actually my first major before i i had a professor that ruined it for me and i transferred it over to history yeah you're not too you're you're not wrong about the ableism in the term chris madness but again if we're gonna you know if we're going to contextualize this with how it was in the seventies, unfortunately madness was still, um, was still a terminology in the American psychological association um, until it actually got corrected in nine, actually noted notated this myself in 1985 or 1987, I believe I could be wrong. I just read a quick article on it. Also, how is, how is Kiyosuke Mamo able to get in Lupin's dreams? Very much like fricking Dr. Destiny. (laughs) Um, I, I bring that up because I've been re-binging Justice League with my friends, and I and because I also watched Sandman and was like, "Oh, Doctor Destiny! I forgot about him." Watch the Kiyosuke Mama episode. You're a time traveler. How the fuck are you also Doctor Destiny? <laughs> <laughs> also, um, I also love the little reveal that like Kiyosuke Mama is just this insane dude from the '60s who developed a time machine, which gave me straight Outlander vibes of how like all the time travelers in the story all came from the late 60s. Gayless, Wendigo Donner, Robert Springer, and yes, Brianna and Roger. So it's like too many people were just aiming to leave the revolutions, weren't they? (laughs) Not for bad reasons, obviously. Also the date time with Fujiko and Lupin, um, going to the races, which recently I went to the county fair, which had horse races. So I was very much like, did Lupin and Fujiko go to like a local county fair? That was a date. (laughs) Um, Things Disappearing, Alethanos' Time Snap, and of course the Fujiko Lupon Wedding, which yes, I did notate of the making of Sounding Like the Bishop and the Princess Bride, and oh, can we just talk about Richard Epkar vegan going, you know, when he, when Lupin fools his friends that he's disappeared, which brings me back to episode to one of my favorite episodes in part two, where Lupin um, fixes death in Florida of all places. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're going to fake your death anywhere in America, definitely do it in Florida. Um, Florida, friend man. Of the family, um, Florida man. Oh, friend of the family Lucy will agree. <laughs> and, you know, um, you see the reaction of how Lupin and G loop going on in loop. Uh, feel thinking Lupin's dead. And of course their reaction when they find out, Oh, you're not. Very much the same thing here, but I love how Jigen's response in the dub is
4: (laughs) (laughs) You suck!
1: Before it, like, panels to the next scene. (laughs) And then you get the Edo period skit, and and then, you know, in terms of, like, capturing Momo so they can um, ruin the egg time machine. Which brings me to my last reference and how I'm gonna end this. There's an adorable TikTok out there that basically describes... The Lupon the Third Gang in a Nutshell, using some stills from this episode, and it and literally goes. It all started with a dumbass Lupon, met a met a dumbass Jigen and another dumbass Goimon, and then they panel to the the shot after they defeated the time they destroyed the time machine, and it goes, and they became the dumbass trio. The end. Yeah, <laughs> so that's how I'm going to end it right there. But you know, to <laughs> to finalize. I am so glad sci-fi comes into Lupon the Third. this isn't the only opportunity nor the only time that sci-fi makes it into Lupon. And uh, I mean, I remember staff. We talked about this. The, the the church from the the mind church in part two. You said that was a reference yes. to like a sci-fi show from Britain, and I can't remember the name of it for the life. Yes, of me.
4: that that it's the Church of the Poisoned Mind episode yes. is basically a, a perfect rip of the prisoner which yes. is yeah it's a 1960s spy drama where the story is the spy the main main character is number six he retires people want to know want to know why he retires so he gets kidnapped thrown in a village and who is number one
1: <laughs> yes. Nice. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, when you made that, when you pointed it out, I didn't think about it until you pointed it out, and it did remind me that you know, with Lupin and the and all the capabilities and storytelling, especially of what we've gotten in the past fifty plus years, I love when there's sci-fi and Lupin. So, and I'm kind of sad. This is one of the few re- few times we get time travel, and it's only and, and of course the next time we get it, it's because of um, Kiyosuke Mamo. I'm not counting the isekai episode from part six but um because that was brought on by a completely different um completely yeah. different way that wasn't time travel but no like i want more time travel with Lupin. i don't know put put the lupon gang in victoria london and they have to contend with jack the ripper like what they did <laughs> with sherlock holmes for that one video game give me that shit and i'll i'll, wa- I'll watch the crap out of it oh <laughs> <Hell> yeah so <laughs> I am so done rambling. Um,
3: To the next person.
0: Emma, should we beware the time machine?
3: Uh, Statistically, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Studies say yes. Uh, The the lie detector has determined that that was a lie. Um, This might be my favorite episode so far on rewatch. Like I said, it's been a long time since I've... Explore part one. I think it's like been five years. Um, So it's kind of like kind of distant. So like watching this since like we've gone through it like 13 so far this is probably up there as my favorite. Um, And I'm so glad that so much of the conversation uh, this evening has been sci-fi because this is the genre that's always been I've always been somebody that says that I don't like it. And it's kind of like, I, I say that about fantasy too, but then I like look at some of the stuff I like. Right. And so big Dr. Who fan. I went like away for it for a little while. And then like, I've started watching it again. Really big into like space pirate, Captain Harlock, galaxy express. Yeah. And I'm like starting to think, I'm like, Hmm. Maybe I like this a little bit better. Same with like fantasy too. It's like, you know, I like some weird fucking shit. I like some supernatural stuff. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe maybe I'd like this a little bit more than I was thinking. And I certainly like it in Lupin because like, I know we've talked about it before. Lupin is a series that you can pretty much do anything with. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. And like Natalie said, I do hope, wish and hope that time travel is a more explored upon thing. In this series, because it's one that can work, and I know it's been used a few times. I know we've mentioned the OVA is Lupin still burning, which uh, I love. That OVA is short, sweet, and it's fun, and I think it's really well animated. As well as like the isekai in Part Six, and also my favorite of all time, the Queen's Necklace musical is definitely time travel into the French Revolution period. So, oh yeah, it is one that I. Hope that we see more, and especially because again, like what I was saying, Lupin is something you can do anything with, and you don't really need an explanation for it. Because so I know we mentioned that the time travel in this is not—it is a, a wibbly, a big ball wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. It doesn't make sense, like truly. But that's the thing with Lupin. I don't think a lot of plot points really do or have to make sense, and that's part of like the appeal. And that's, like, kind of, like, an issue that I have, like, when people do watch this show, not even just, like, fans, but just, like, people just coming in and being, like, what is with this plot? And they're, like, really being nitpicky on, like, plot points. And I'm, like, don't get into this show. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to be nitpicky on plot points, probably don't want to end in this one. Uh, Just have fun with it. And this is one of those episodes. I think you just like just ride with it, man. We talked about G in the trench coat. I want to bring up Lupin in red. I'm not sure if that was lighting or what, but like when he's running, when it's doing the postcard memories and it's like the Lupin, 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 he looks like he's wearing a red shirt.
0: Mm. Instead of a
3: red jacket, again, I'm not sure if that's lighting or just how it was drawn. I was like, "Man, he looks good in a red button-up shirt." Sure. I was like, "Get that man in red."
2: Snoop <laughs> <laughs> on the third wearing red, he'll never catch on.
3: Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs>
2: yeah it's just a fad.
3: Plus, doesn't suit him. Same with pink. <laughs> uh, Kioske Mamo, he would be a Scorpio. I know, like, it's not in the manga, like, but he says his birthday is November 18th. (laughs) Oh, man, that was like the first notes I wrote. I was like, this motherfucker would be a Scorpio. I was like, the most vengeful, petty emotions alive. And I was like, and you see that again in the OVA?
1: I did not realize that until you just brought it up. (laughs) (laughs) The
3: first thing he's like, on November 18th, I was like... Oh, you're a Scorpio. (laughs) Like, okay. All right. That makes
1: a lot of sense. When your dad's a Scorpio and you're close to him, it's like you don't see negative Scorpios because you're Scor— you know, the only Scorpio you know is nice. So it's like, oh, I don't
4: get it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is what everyone's talking about. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Goimon just popping up out of nowhere doing research, like just the slide in. Like I mentioned in the last episode, like when Jigen like pops up like in the water, that kind of like transition shit, I know it's like an animation thing, it always gets me. I'm like a two-year-old with that kind of stuff. I know it <laughs> happens too during the horse race, like Mamo like pops up in the I, mean, like,
2: I, think, I think the thing with God in mind, it helps in the dub as well, because yes. it just goes yeah. the way Lex Lang says, what? Yeah, he's like, yeah,
3: Goemon in this episode is great he's just like again he's like total chad Goemon level just very kind of like cocky but also like very well read and i just don't think that's a part of goimon that is often explored hmm. and he's just like communicative more with uh the two guys i mean Lupin pulling the prank on them and seeing how him and Jigen are interacting is really funny, especially because I'm like Chris said, I'm not sure if Richard Epcar's performance was meant to be funny, <laughs> but it certainly came off that way. And I think <laughs> I think it was
0: mm-hmm.
3: kind of played to be humorous, um, especially because he leads into you suck, and as well as like just his banter with Goemon, I just felt it was more played to be funny.
4: Lupin, Lupin, we failed
3: you.
0: (laughs) Don't cry, Jingen. I'll get his revenge.
4: Idiot, you're too old fashioned. (laughs) He's in the fourth dimension, the 29th century. What can an Edo period samurai like you do? Even if you could have done something, Lupin most likely would have done it first. (laughs) The Edo
0: period, huh? Huh?
3: All of us mentioned the priest being a parody. Of uh, Princess Bride, I'm so glad every one of us noticed that. Mm.
1: So glad, good one, go us. Um, and I and still mess. haven't watched the whole film. I just know the reference.
2: God at damn least that. you. feel me
1: all you like. Yeah, at least you know the reference. You're dead to me, Nad. Yeah, to Crime. Right. Re- <laughs> my roommates feel the same, Chris. My roommates. Okay, feel
2: actually, take it me. back. You're only mostly dead to me, Natalie.
3: <laughs> 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 wow, thank you. Every <laughs> oh, that. Mostly. <laughs> every, every performance here is wonderful. Uh, I love uh the choice for Kyosuke Mamo. Even without like knowing that he was Mamo. Um I just think like his voice is really good for that role. It's very smooth and like Chris said, it's very like kind of like 70s, like kind of campy to it the same way, but also sounding a little sinister, but not sounding like too much so. So, I just think it works out very well with like just how that character looks too and how his like character design is. And I particularly wrote during like the date period between uh, Fujiko and Lupin. I really like the softness in Fujiko's tone a lot.
2: Please do it. I'm begging you to.
3: Please, please. You love me that much, Lupin? Mm hmm. Then yes, yes, I will. Really? You will? Like, I think, like, we just came from an episode where her and Lupin were, like, screwing each other over. Mm. And now you have this, like, very, like, like, soft and sweet Fujiko that comes out very rarely. I mean, she is willing to marry Lupin and, like, doesn't, barely even hesitates. Mm -hmm. Like, like, that, yes, is, like, very genuine, uh, which I thought was very sweet. Um, and I, I just wish that part of her would come out more. And I do love how like excited she was at the end to try to still get married, (laughs) which I was like, "You go girl. Yeah. He told you. And then he just like books it out of the church. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I still want to be single. Yeah. Me too, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know we talked about the manga. I had actually read it before we recorded because uh, Drew told me that, like, the differences, like, I should really look at. Um, again, I wrote specifically Lupon in his little blankie. <laughs> 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 so cute. He's so precious. Uh, yeah, I liked, um, I liked that part. I wish I had shown him in his little blankie. And yeah. That, okay, that would have yeah. been nice. But so many other parts of like the anime, I like I like that they played up the drama more rather than the comedy of his terror because I know like and saf mentioned this, we really see how Lupin is in this one. I mean, like we were discussing uh like before Drew and I were that you can go into an analysis of Lupin's character for hours. As such a complex character, and that's part of the reason why I love him. But this is, like, the first episode, really, and, like, one of the few, too, where you actually see that he is genuinely afraid, Mm. um, and he feels backed into a corner. Uh, He's erratic, and he's emotional. And and I don't want to get, like, too personal with this. I've been, like, kind of going back and forth on like how much I wanna like talk about this, but like Lupin and the way he's acting in this episode, it feels very familiar. Um, because it's like just so manic. And so like it, it feels very akin to like the end of my drinking. Uh, because acting very erratically and impulsively, uh, you're knowing you're in the shit, but you feel powerless to stop it. Uh, while trying to ignore those feelings, like Lupin's like laughing it off while going behind closed doors and being like, fuck. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he tries going on a date with Fujiko while still panicking and stuff. So I'm like, man, this feels really familiar of uh, trying to hide those feelings, but they keep growing more and more and more. And you just keep being more scared until you find out that with the power of friendship. You don't have to be afraid <laughs> 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 this also feels like the first episode where the boys truly operate as a team and mm. i like the part where yeah. at the end uh and i know the gift that you see on social media of the three of them laughing together and that is so sweet it's one of my favorite images of this series because i just think it really encapsulates the three of them uh very well and um Glad that we got it through this episode. And basically, yeah, I just I really like this one for a multitude of reasons. It's personal for me on a level, but also just yeah, of comedy, but a lot of emotions dealing with this. I just like the idea that Lupin is a character that can get scared, that can get worried and feel back into a corner uh, and does need to reach out for help, that he's not this like infallible character, and I really like that. Oh yeah. What about you, Drew?
0: Alright, so this one, this one's interesting. I I really I, I have always liked this episode. Like even on my first watch of part one, I I'm gonna have to agree with them this is also this is a top episode for me on rewatch for a multitude of reasons. Um, one of them is I, I think that is a little bit maybe of the Osumi in there is how much the drama is played up instead of the comedy. Because I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about the manga version of this story and the anime version. And I particularly like how in the anime, Lupin just doesn't believe Mamo at all. Even when the whole fucking castle disappears, he's a little shaken. And like, he's visibly shaken because that's the moment Emma, that you mentioned where he goes in the back. He's like laughing it off, but he goes and he's sweating, but then he like snaps back out of it. And once again, starts rejecting it goes on like the date with Fujiko And then the horse race scene is so good. And I actually do very much like the dub of this episode a lot. Everyone's on their A A game. I very much prefer the horse race scene in the sub. And again, this is a kind of a nitpick. But in the original Japanese version, when they go to the horse race, it's like it's loud. It's raucous. Everyone's cheering on the horses. Lupine's cheering on the horses. And when he's looking at the horse and it vanishes the sound cuts out entirely. And there's a static shot of the crowd, like starting to kind of freak out and point. And then it cuts to Lupin's face, just kind of in shock, staring with the crowd still murmuring behind him. And the sound is still gone. It's just dead silent. He looks and then it cuts to his POV and he sees mama in the crowd. And that's when the sound comes back in. So it, like, it really does a good job of selling. That's the moment when he can't stop doubting it anymore. And then he starts to further break as the episode goes on. He starts driving erratically. And it's time for me to bring up Osamu motherfucking Nazaki. Because you can tell he storyboarded this episode. There's like some striking moments in this. One of them being the moment when he gets Fujiko in the car. You get this shot of uh, like his face. Superimposed over him driving the car, and specifically like the speedometer, like needle, like reaching the max speed, and then a truck approaches, swerves in front of him, and there's this really awesome, like this awesome collage of shots where you get a shot of the truck tires approaching camera after the the after the uh, the Mercedes grazes it, then you get just this shot of the sky. And the uh, the road barricade splits open just like into view. There is a shot from the POV of the inside of the truck of the windshield, like shattering and cracking. And then it's Lupin jumping outside. It it just adds such like an impact and makes you really feel kind of like the panic in that moment. And all like just this, like the screeching metal, the screeching tires. It's, It's cinema. Another moment that's similar to that is Lupin's first encounter with Mamo, where you get that shot of like his rear view mirror with the egg shining and just Mamo's silhouette. And you get Lupin jumping out of the car. He spins the Walther, and you see his knees like crouch to the ground and you get the awesome shot of him pointing at Mamo. It just adds such an urgency and like it grabs you immediately. And uh, Chris already mentioned the, uh, the postcard memories. It's awesome to see those here when you see Lupin and Jigen breaking in, and then it culminates, like Emma mentioned earlier, that track, you know, the loop on loop on loop. And you see this shot of Lupin and Jigen in silhouette illuminated by like a light coming out of a window and it pans back. And then you just see Mamo superimposed, like gliding into the frame with like his ominous laughter over it. And it's just it's so good. It sets such a tone for it. Like this episode has silliness to it, but like Mamo's threatening in this. Mamo is more threatening than he is in the manga. And that's an interest because I minus one moment, which I'll also touch on. I really like the manga story of this one. Also, there's moments I like in the anime a lot more. There's moments I like in the manga a whole lot more. I do like Mamo being a bit more of a threat here, but also him being slightly less of a threat in the manga. He's a bit of a goofus and there's a beautiful moment in it. And I wish it was in the episode because, you know, the whole final part of this, I'm sorry if I'm jumping around like crazy, but the, the whole final part of this, the big switcheroo with the uh, like you know, with them setting up to look like the past of Lupin's ancestor. There is a key moment in the manga when Goemon tells the story of him encountering Mamo for the first time. And when Mamo first shows up, I think I have the page series like, young man, is this the Kai period or the Ansei age? Perhaps it's the Meiji era. And Goemon's like, Showa era. And then Mamo gives a key line where he says, Damn it, I'm in the wrong year again. (laughs) Which sets up a really fun detail that he's not so great at landing where he wants to. You know, I didn't consider that. You're right, though.
2: Because it kind of helps sell the uh, switcheroo at the end. Exactly. That's why Mamo doesn't, doesn't think too much about it.
0: Goemon relayed that detail, and then Lupin's like, Oh, yeah. And so the switcheroo and I love in the manga you don't see. I I also agree with Chris. I don't like that shot when uh, Jigen and Goemon come around like holding the materials. It's so much funnier in the manga when Mamo leaves and comes back. And it's just like once again, he's like, damn it, I'm in the wrong year again. Quick sidebar, Jiro Kichi in the anime or Lupin disguises Jiro Kichi is very funny with like, you know, his goofy ass farmer teeth. It's a funny image in the manga. I love how Lupin plays Gio Kichi, because when you look at him, he just looks like the happiest man you've ever seen. Every single panel, he's got this giant, goofy grin. And like when when, when, when Mama's like, are you Gio Kichi? He's like, that's me. <laughs> it's hard. He's playing the simple farmer, but he just he looks so happy. I, I I do like how Lupin him is like a big doofus in the anime, but there's some of the manga version, just that really goofy. It The smile is adorable. It's so much fun. <laughs> That's me.
1: <laughs> oh, I, can't, I can't help but feel that the hillbilly farmer, mm-hmm. as I'm going to call it, um, <laughs> is such a common trope and is so universal all throughout the world. It, it, it kind of reminds me of the um, Gabriel Iglesias joke when he talks about how much he loves Bakersfield, which Bakersfield mm. is the Texas of California, let's be real. Um, and he's like, I even love Oildale. What is Oildale Dean, in, you know, like, that's one joke. But then the other joke he talks about, like, hey, you know, there's hill- there's American hillbillies, and then there's definitely Mexican hillbillies. And then this, definitely Japanese hillbillies. <laughs> Simple Japanese hillbilly farmers with the same tropes, same happy-go-lucky attitude.
0: I my <laughs> right. and I do like Momo being a bit like 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 he's he, he's he's a bit of a goober in the manga story and he keeps messing up like his time travel in the anime version. he is so much more murderous, he kills so many fucking ancestors, the guy driving the truck. The castle, I think the only ancestors he kills in the manga story is the the woman. But in the anime version, again, I don't want to sound like I'm nitpicking too much because I love this episode. It's just, I wish he was a bit more of a goober in it because he's so precise and murderous and threatening that like the moment he does, they, they do pull one over on him. He, he's like immediately just a big dummy, which I say that. It's very funny in its own right. Like the moment the moment he gets tripped up, it's it's over. He's done. They smash his egg, he's running away, he's done for. That's like the only little bit of power he had.
3: We're gonna destroy your egg.
0: That that's so good. I love <laughs> Goemon spinning around <laughs> saying secret technique as he mean, cuts look, it in half. You, you can't make an omelet. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey,
4: I have in my notes, um Goemon finally slices something worthy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of eggs, Goimon did give us a great mantra of a three-minute egg. For three minutes.
3: That's why he was ready to slice.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like it's an egg, I know what to do. Now, Lupin facing his own mortality in this episode is very interesting, especially in the manga. In the manga, it is played for laughs, like, especially the imagery of him in the blanket with just that big frown and his eyes wide open. But it's also, like, weirdly sad in a way where he just, like, the moment that Mamo mentions this concept, he just shuts down and just completely, and, like, he's reduced to, like, his base instinct. I guess I'll bring this up now. So the whole bit. In the manga, he tries to forcefully uh, have sex with random woman who's not Fujiko, because this I think this I guess this is before Fujiko was established. Because I've not read too much of the manga. Yes or no? That's one of, the, that's one of those moments that I'm glad kind of didn't make it through the episode because like he gets reduced to this weird base version of himself. And he's like, look at me. I'm a dead man. Have pity. And like, she starts to have sex with him out of pity. And then he's like, Oh boo hoo. Woe is me a little to the right. And it's like, okay. That's. uh, Now I say this in the anime. I originally thought, Oh yeah. So like, he's a bit more of a gentleman, you know, like he just wants to go on a date with Fujiko and he wants to marry her. And like the way he's playing it. Is that like, like, like he truly loves her. It's his last days. However, (laughs) There's a moment in the anime when they're having the ceremony and Mamo like interrupts it. There's a line of dialogue. I'm forgetting exactly what he is, but he's like, I see through this. He's like, you're like, you're like, you're not going to have another spawn thing before the day. like the day because that's what you're trying to do. And like the moment he says that Lupin breaks a fucking sweat and you're like, wait a minute.
4: Oh, the line is I was so close. Yeah, he's like, like I was so
0: close. And you're like, hold (laughs) It's like, you you fucker. That was your plan? (laughs) Like, because, like, that whole moment of him being like, like, Fujiko, please marry me. I love you. Like, obviously there's some truth to it, but there was an ulterior motive behind that. So I was going to originally pitch that, like, he's a bit more of a gentleman. Not really. He's just less forceful about it. So like and he's still like he's a he's a bastard in this episode.
3: I, I do love that you brought up this scene mainly because of the part of the manga where he's like, I'd rather die in a fight than disappear like that poor girl. Well I didn't read that first. I was like, I thought he was gonna say, I'd rather die in a fight than disappear while fucking somebody <laughs> <laughs> I was like What uh that's also, okay, that makes a little more sense.
2: I mean I mean be fair, Lupin probably you know, agrees with your interpretation as well.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know,
1: you bring that up, Drew, and I couldn't help but think that like, yeah, in the manga, um, it was very, uh, you know, the sexual act was very, in a sense, I guess, for lack of a better word, coercive. um, Yeah. Because again, his ulterior motive is to procreate. And in in, in the episode, he tries to attempt to marry Fujiko, to cement that legacy, even though he hasn't really bedded her yet. It hasn't been consummated at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, if his ulterior motive was really to just like procreate, um, (laughs) Oh my God. I don't know. This is where we, this is where we get to a touchy subject that I'm just like, Oh, right. (laughs) Coercion.
0: (laughs) Yep. Oh yeah. So other few little notes. I love we've already, everyone's brought it up. I love going on sliding into frame with the book. However, I do also love his appearance in the manga. When Lupon runs out, like he starts laughing and crying and Jigen's like, get a hold of yourself. And it just pan, like you just you just you see a panel where Goemon's just in a tree. And he says, I heard crying. <laughs> and that's his introduction. <laughs> He's like, uh, it's me. I heard crying. Goemon crying like a little girl. Of course, you
2: know, I mean, you, know, you got to give props to uh, what's the name? Matt Yamashita. For the way oh, he, yeah. for the way he wrote Lupin's terror, yeah, yeah. Like well, Mama didn't raise no cowards except for me. Well, boys, if you <laughs> see, mom, tell me your fresh-eyed chicken.
1: <laughs> Damn, it was just—it's very much akin to like. It smells like bitch in here. (laughs) You're in the crying.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Except that, you know, in this case, Lupin is calling himself the bitch.
1: Exactly. It smells like bitch in here. Oh wait, the bitch is me. And
0: it's just so fascinating to see like Lupin just for a while, like eventually gets his shit together, but for a while, just completely rejecting the thought of his mortality which uh, is interesting because you know in Mamo, like you know, he's perfectly fine with not being immortal and you know living with being you know immortal. So, but you know, by Mamo, he's really matured. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man, yeah, you know, you just managed to say that without cracking up. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I I do prefer the ending of the even though I wish it did have that setup with Mamo going like. Like meeting Goemon initially and like revealing that he missed the date. I also love Goemon in that whole sequence. He looks like a little like a little scared puppy dog during that entire encounter. But I do ultimately prefer the ending of the anime where they just bamboozle him and then just start smashing the shit out of his egg. It's so funny. Just the pure, like, glee they have. And then in the dub, it's funny because there's that bit where, like, Lupin shows his, like, sharp teeth and just makes, like, a sound. But in the sub, Yasuo Yamada outright says, I'm a monster. <laughs> like, Momo runs away after that. <laughs> it's it's such a funny ending. And uh, I think... Chris, did you mention earlier that, like, you thought they Lupin made up Jiro Kichi? I think that is the case for the anime one in the manga. Like, it's outright, like, Mamo reveals that he's done all this studies and, like, discovered Lupin's ancestor. And now, question. What's more interesting? Mamo being from the year. uh, What was it? I want to be specific here, so I can't be called a fake Lupin fan. Mm Um. 2578. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, in the manga, 2854 is the one in the manga. Oh. Yeah. Or from the 30s. His personally, while I do like it in the anime, it is very funny that they just look at a history book. They're like, Kyosuke Momo, that sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. The guy that invented a time machine after he went insane and is now traveling through time. Hey, you know that guy. Oh, yeah. I remember. It's just so funny. That's like, you think you would remember. You know, the one man who invented time travel and has just been gone ever since. I, I I do think it's a little more interesting of him being from the future and getting revenge for his father. I don't know. I, I really, really like it when Lupin gets super sci-fi and that's just like really out there. And I love also Mama, Mama being a doofus. He has that book. And according to what Goemon says, I guess he just left it there. I don't know if he left it there by accident or what. <laughs> because Goemon's like, yeah, the book he left is the one we have now. <laughs> it's like, what did he f- you fucking drop it when he got back in his egg? <laughs> well,
2: uh, in both versions of the story, they do, they do mention that Mamo, uh, K- Mamo Kioske was a uh, <laughs> science fiction author.
4: Which yeah. I,
2: which I thought was an interesting uh, little detail mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Hugo Award winner.
0: Yep. what what do y'all find more interesting him being from the past or him being from the future
1: i think for me it's a little bit a a little bit of a column a a little bit of column b the future Mm. is a lot more interesting and that's the angle they went with the um with the ova um the elusiveness of the fog they they kind of go that Mm. route but i think it was more like his 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 son or nephew or something because it was brown haired Yosuke Mamo and and yeah they went with that angle that would make a lot more sense because I don't believe that we would have had that technology to make a time machine in the 60s maybe maybe not which brings me to my little bit of column B perspective of just like me feeling very Outlander E about it because again in Outlander uh, a lot of the travelers, as they call them, because the time travel mechanism in that one is is a fantastical element, which is why Outlander doesn't really fit a singular genre. It's, it's either sci-fi or fantasy or romance, historical fiction, whatever. And a lot of them came from the 60s. So I like to think, you know, especially with with the Lupin stories being set in the 60s and 70s, that there was this, this crazy wacko who was like, ah, I'm going to build a time machine. And he somehow miraculously Whatever, fantastically does create one, and it's causing shenanigans all over the world. Um, well, all over through time and space.
2: Ooh. But um, at least with
1: the future one, it makes a lot more sense. And I do like that they went with that angle with the lucidness of the fog, especially towards the end, where you see how strong those Lupon genes are. For <laughs> I don't remember what generation of Lupon was. I think it was Lupon the. 13th. I think they kept it Lupon the 13th and it's literally Lupon in the green jacket with a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I'm just literally like, those Lupin jeans were strong as hell. <laughs> it's either that or
3: inbreeding.
0: <laughs> well, well. Um,
3: yeah, I'm not sure which one I would prefer. But I just know that, like, he noted in the manga that he would go back and kill Lupin the second, and I don't like that.
4: <laughs> yeah. like that
3: you no, you cannot. <laughs>
4: well, don't you touch him. You better him tried.
3: Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs>
4: yeah. I think that was that was one thing. It's like, so why is Momo specifically angry with Lupont the third? Like is he just jumping or, or like you gotta wonder when he's not in a scene, is he jumping around time tormenting the rest of the Lupons?
0: That's like, a fun idea.
4: It's yeah, because it's like, like, why laughing. are you focusing on this one person? Like, <laughs> you're just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of the ancestor and just throw a dart at a dartboard. Okay, we're gonna torment the third in this line. That's
0: honestly yeah. a good point because he keeps like. There's multiple points in the manga and the anime where he's like, well, i just continue my travels. So that could be very well what he's doing is just fucking yeah. with all the Lupons before he goes and murders Jiro Kichi.
4: Yeah, so it would. <laughs> it is also funny to think that he's just like, fuck this guy in particular. Like, <laughs> I like that idea of
3: just like mundane, like messing with all the other Lupons. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like really, minor ways.
2: You know, maybe a 1968 slash 1972 is the only time period he can reliably get back to. (laughs) (laughs) Fair.
1: Well, Again, why did he just spin a wheel and was like, yeah, let's torment the third generation. But, you know, the constant time traveler trope of like, what if we went back in time and killed baby Hitler um, before he he started atrocities? And then someone always butts in and tells you, no, because then someone more evil will come and take his freaking place. So is that what Kiyosuke Mama's thinking? That if he kills baby Lupon the 13th, then someone else will come and steal his girl, maybe. So he's like, fine, I'm going to go further back, way back, and kill that generation before they fuck with me in this future timeline.
0: Yeah, Natalie, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because we truly are a <laughs> Lupin the 3rd podcast because somehow Hitler has returned. Yay! <laughs> Taxis. Go Goblin Flaw.
3: Well, it
1: was either that or, like, um, Avengers Endgame where they were like, why don't we just go back in time and kill baby Thanos? <laughs> you know? Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Mama's whole plan is basically just to in- induce a uh, grandfather paradox. Um, yeah. So, it goes. yeah, so it's, let's kill baby Hitler to is this a stable timeline or not? Or has this, is this destined to happen? And so it's not going to change anything. Who knows? So yeah. it's Yeah. Well,
1: no, no, Kara, you bring that up, but that's the constant tropes of time traveling. The time travelers paradox, aside from trying to kill baby Hitler, it's like how much of the past, how much of the future can we prevent? How much of, you know, of actual historical events, no matter how tragic they are, can we prevent? And I, in you know, again with Outlander, they tried to stop the Battle of Culloden. They tried, but they didn't. The Native Americans um, from the sixties who went back tried to save their people from colonialization, and unfortunately, it ended up with that, with them they, themselves dying for not being believed. So it's like, can we get that Lupin story where they try to prevent a future outcome? Only for them to like, for it to still happen. I don't know. Give me that Lupin story. Maybe, I don't know, the Lupin gang trying to prevent the, because it's in the news, the Titanic from sinking. And it doesn't work.
0: Hey, other people in an egg that got destroyed. Anyway.
1: (laughs) Uh.
0: Uh. Sandwich time,
1: sandwich time.
0: (laughs) Um, but uh, before I start wrapping this up, I I love how he mentioned that like the the time travel in this like you know doesn't really add up. But I always remember, remember the uh, the movie Looper. There's a bit where uh, Bruce Willis's character says like I don't want to talk about time travel because if we start talking about it, then we're going to be all, we're going to be here all day talking about it, making diagrams with straws. <laughs> I love how the manga, specifically at least the Tokyo Pop translation, has a variation of that. Literally in the second panel where. <laughs> Jigan says traveling through time what's that supposed to mean Lufan it means traveling through time <laughs> that's all you need that's, that's, all you go, need that's so
3: funny. that's literally how I respond to like most of my friends too <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and they hate me for it
0: <laughs> but yeah overall this again is a, is another really fun episode it's a top one for me like it's probably in the top five of the ones we watched so far and I'm very interested to see moving forward because this is one of, and for real this time, I know we've been saying this. This is like one of the last ones that was assuming he had like a real big hand in. Like this is one of his the last bit of his involvement. So moving forward is going to get a lot more sillier, and I'm looking forward to that 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 change. But they're they're honestly like I think they salvaged. I think Miyazaki and Takahata like did it. I th- I think it works out pretty well. I don't think it's as stark a difference like it is if you like look at say I don't know episode nine and then at like one of the future ones but like in between there starts to become like a, like like you know the silly elements start to really become amplified and they take over it's not it's, it's not as disjointed as people make it out to be in my opinion if you like watch it all the way through that is
4: yeah there is a transition period
0: mm-hmm. so
2: I was just gonna say I feel like this is a good time to confess I've never watched a looseness of the fog but, me neither. Uh, oh Lord, you're not missing, missing
1: anything. True, sure you're not missing anything, guys, but when do you want to start falling asleep? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. It's like I mentioned this on Twitter several years back, and Reed Nelson told me that, that the special is very engaging for your eyelids. <laughs> and then he adds, it's boring, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> whenever I think of that special, I, that description always. Me. It's very engaging for your eyelids. It's boring is what I'm saying.
3: I know I referenced it in the last podcast episode. we we did. It was the, just the best part that I referenced. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm actually glad you bring that up because I actually did consider rewatching that for like, you know, for reference for this episode. But then I remembered that I skimmed through it to get that audio clip and watching that like maybe like 10 minutes I watched like skipping through. That's enough for one year. I don't need to watch it again.
3: Sorry if about it. Do. I'm not. I'm actually not. I'm not sorry that you did that because I love that clip. I love that audio clip. It's, a good clip. it's, it's <laughs>
0: like it's the one like like solid little like tiny speck of gold in a big old turd.
4: Oh, is it the one where they're introducing themselves to the boy?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and Machio anyway p- pitches his voice up, and then
4: he's <laughs> like, <And I'm- laughs> Yeah. Just so it's five octaves woman. comes back down four. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just, just don't do what I did, because when I got the Blu-ray for Elusiveness of the Fog, it was around the same time I also got my favorite trash, uh, Return of High Cow, And I subjected my lovely best friend and roommate to a double feature of those two ones. And um, I don't know, I can't say we're no longer on speaking terms, because we still <laughs> live together two years later. <laughs> but I think she still looks at me and questions me just like...
3: Yeah, that honestly sounds like yeah. From hell. Well,
0: but if it's any consolation, <laughs> PyCal is better.
4: Yeah, I think no. Both, both of those specials, at least from what I've seen of elusiveness, um, suffer from having a bunch of really good ideas, and then instead of picking one or two of them go with all of them and, it just comes out and the result is terrible yeah.
3: So, yeah instead of just throwing one spaghetti at the wall throw the entire pot
4: <laughs> yes Yes. exactly exactly that
0: i would argue that pie Cow throws the entire italian restaurant at the wall like yeah. foundation at yeah. all again it's it's
1: like it's like Andrew no. Lloyd Webber's best musical of all time, Love Never Dies.
2: <laughs> I will never stop with that. I was going to make a, uh, a reference to something else, but I don't know how to ta- how to follow up throwing the entire Italian restaurant at the wall.
0: Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> <we> good.
3: <laughs> Shout out to our Italian fans.
0: <laughs> yep. Hey, part four is the best. Woo! Yeah.
2: I was just going to point out that this is the second time this month I've experienced a story involving time travel that involves spaghetti. So.
1: <laughs> well, is it Mom's spaghetti? No, it was. Uh, oh.
2: <laughs> it was actually Batman's spaghetti. I went, I, went to, I went to go see the Flash, and yeah, they explained time travel using pasta. But
1: ah, okay, yeah.
2: okay. Relevant. Oddly enough, yes. <laughs>
1: that's, um, that's interesting. I, I never thought I never thought that that would okay.
0: <laughs> well then, in that case, I guess we'll move on to uh, our social media plugs. Seth, uh, where can we find you?
4: Uh, you can mostly find me on Tumblr. Uh, it's just Sephora. I also occasionally post uh, fanfic on AO3, uh, which is I Safura and if you see anything else on the internet that is any variations of those two it's probably me <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah read my stuff i guess
0: read it <laughs> once again this is not a request
4: yeah i got a couple of loopon fics and some other stuff so but yeah uh Tumblr and fanfiction
0: oh yeah uh Natalie where can we find you on the social medias
1: Well, thanks to therapy, I've kind of like took my therapist's advice and kind of muted all Mm -hmm. social medias for the time being. Um, But if you do see me coming back pretty soon, when I am emotionally Mm -hmm. ready, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kathleen Helsing. You can also find me on the Instas at Captain spelled out Lee Helsing. I mean, I guess I could come back tomorrow since my target concert's tomorrow. And uh, that's something that's emotionally needing right now. Currently with a lot of the works that I'm working on right now, a lot of my side projects, I'm currently working on a lot, a lot with Rain. So uh, if you do, you do look out on my social medias and you do see me plug Rain. if you can, do consider donating. Um, They're a really great organization. I've been getting a lot of help from them. And um, you can do either a monthly or a one-time donation. Anything helps in regards to helping uh, victims of sexual assault. So definitely worth a thing to check out at give.rain, rain r a i
3: n n dot org the end
0: <laughs> all right so emma where can we find you
3: you can find me on the social medias on twitter at uh, e m m a w o l f e two two seven I might be under a spam ban right now i'm not sure it's because I was live tweeting the disco Tech stream and me and a bunch of other people that were also live tweeting the disco Tech stream got the spam ban here apparently that was just a uh, glitch in the Matrix, the Musk Matrix. So hopefully that'll be fixed. Maybe. Otherwise, you can also find me on Instagram at EMWOLFE227. I don't have any conventions coming up till August. So uh, no new cosplay unless I feel like getting into them on like a Friday night, which is not very likely because I'm usually asleep by five. So there's that. How about you, Chris?
2: Great, Scott. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Newgrounds at AmazingChrisGodby. Boy, I just got this weird feeling of deja vu. My personal Twitter is Dr. Furball, that's D R F U R B A L L. My art Twitter is AmazingChrisG. My webcomics can be found at WeirdInAcan.com and DrawO'Coward.com. I'm also an occasional contributor to LuponCentral.com. How about you, Drew?
0: Well, you can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15. That's D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. And now you can also currently find me on the uh, Blue Sky app if you happen to get an invitation code to that, which I did like three ass months after I sent in the request. So now I'm there. At uh, Once again, DrewHunter15, 15, D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R 15 dot bsky dot social so if you want to find me on there and uh, get away from the uh, the hubbub of twitter for a moment it's a little peaceful over there i haven't done a whole lot but it's a nice vibe even though it's owned by jack dorsey who is also a dipshit but he keeps his mouth shut and knows how to run a website so it's got that going for him and you can find our podcast on twitter and instagram at lupinpod you can find us on tumblr I had uh, sideburns and cigarettes. You can also find us on Mastodon under L U P I N P O D. Mastodon. Social, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you can find our podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, feel free to scroll up or scroll down and give us a five star review or not a five star review. But if you don't, we will travel back in time and kill your ancestor and wipe <laughs> you from the face of the fucking planet. So I thought I'm
2: supposed to be the one that's so, that threatens the listeners. I uh, have the Wait tables.
1: Holy.
0: Shit.
2: Wait a minute. <laughs> and of course, if you do give us five stars, I will personally thank you by hand.
0: <laughs> and, and also I almost forgot. We are also on coffee at Lupin pod. L U P I N P O D. Uh, donations are not required and not expected, but greatly appreciated if you have the means. And on that note, I'm going to give a big thanks to Saf for joining us today. Saf is a real great friend of us at the show Yay. and an awesome person in general. And thank you for joining us to talk about wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff.
4: Yeah. Thank you for having me. This
1: is a lot of fun. Yay. Thank you, Saf. Friends of the family.
0: Hell yeah! yeah. Family. <laughs> family, family. No, don't don't remind me that right now. I'm still fucking suffering from what? watching last ten.
1: Family, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drew, Drew, You don't turn your back on family. I mean, this is Lupin the Third. It's a series about fan family. Come on, that's true.
0: It's because currently Lupin the Third is better than the Fast and Furious franchise. A uh, duh, it is. I've never seen any of the past and curious movies. Watch the first seven and then stop there. Yeah. Okay. Um, on that note, the next time you hear from, you'll hear from us, we will be talking about the Emerald Secret. And what's that? Two Fujikos, you say? Well, you'll have to just find out. So, good night, Lupontic folks.
2: Good night. I feel like there's a question I need to ask and have answered. Should we beware the time machine? Let me have my magic eight ball here. Oh, shit.
0: Oh, yeah. I hate it.
2: As I see it, yes. Oh, that's reassuring. There you go. Well, on that note. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) Good night. Sleep well.
1: Good night.
0: Bye.